Welcome to Invisible Talks. I'm your host, Tyra Elin, and we are now in season three, episode four, bringing you a new format from the Podcast Town studio. We are continuing to introduce different segments each week, giving room for perspective and hearing one's story. Today's segment, it's special. I have two guests from opposite generations to talk about some of the trending topics dominating social media, and we all have opinions. I've learned that people, they're not going to make the connection until you do it for them by giving them just a little bit of background. So one thought can spark the invisible or feel contradictory or change the way we move forward. So the real question is, can we agree to disagree? Or hey, maybe on this segment, we'll even agree. But before we dive into the topics here on our anonymous show, we have two guests and let's hear from them. We'll start with our guests here in Podcast Town Studio. The first question for you is, what's one thing you appreciate about the generation that you were born in? We seem to be a lot smarter than, the uh, um, what do you call it, the new people? The uh, millenniums? Yeah, the millenniums. <laughs> yeah, we're a lot smarter than them. I knew you were going to say that. Okay, and our guest who is outside of podcast studio, what's one thing you appreciate about the generation you were born into? Um, I think the most thing I appreciate is the willingness to tackle things head on instead of sweeping them underneath the rug. Those are both opposite, but really good. And what I value about being in the middle is I feel like I could balance both of those. So one thing we're going to do when we're talking about these hot topics, the trendy social media things, is we have this spectrum, right? And so with each statement, we have strongly disagree, disagree. The invisible area, which I'll explain that a little bit for our listeners, that is the unknown. There's a missing piece to this statement or it's just a neutral um, space that you're standing on. And then we have agree and strongly agree. So with each statement, you pick whichever area you fall into and then just give us a little background on your reason why. And we'll go from the conversation there. Everyone set? Cool. All right, let's go. So the first one. Gender roles matter. We'll start with the guest that is in Podcast Town Studio. Hell no. And the reason why I say that is everybody is different and they have their own way of doing stuff. And who the hell cares? It's like, if you're a woman, you want to act like a dude, you're a dude, you act like a woman still. Who cares? It doesn't matter to me, but I know there's a lot of people who care about that type of stuff. I don't. Because at the end, it's between you and God. So who am I to care about what role you want to play? So it doesn't matter to me. We'll go to our guests outside of the studio. I think oh, you said it could be a, like a neutral, right? Yes. I think I'm going to be neutral on this one. Um, I completely agree. Like gender roles is definitely dependent on that person. But if that person is um, formatted to be exclusively in their gender role that's something that should be considered in in should be like established in a relationship or established in society where we recognize that this is their this is the type of person they are so if this is the type of person they are then of course like how we interact with them is going to be based off the type of person they are i think there is an invisible area here because i i believe it depends on you know, the background, the topic of what we're referring to. We see a lot of social media. Um, I was looking at a debate and they were questioning if 
Dave Chappelle's comments and what he called the alphabet community. That was the term that they had wrote the whole um, the whole piece on was appropriate or not. And so when we look at that, he had a certain platform that he was speaking on. And then we look at Lil Boosie, who talked about it. He was speaking on gender roles from a certain angle. And there are all these different aspects and how we could talk about it. I think it's in a visible area because we have to be specific. And when we're addressing gender roles, when I look at it and we're talking about kids in school and sexuality, there has to be a line, right? A clear line of what conversation is appropriate and at what age. And when we're talking about, you know, whether it's right or wrong, you know, that's open to that those people perspective. So um, I think it just depends on the angle. So there's a lot of flexibility there for me. Any other comments on that topic? All right. So the next one We're experiencing a lot of things in this world. Are we experiencing a culture shift in the United States and around the world? Also, I guess I think you ought to handle that question first. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely going to. Um, So that is completely true. A hundred percent, a thousand percent, two thousand percent. There is a cultural shift, Um, whether it's from the fact that the most predominant and booming economies right now are of people of color. We're transitioning from this status quo of essentially, I want to say a certain culture dominating globally what's the standards, what's the agenda, and um, who holds the power is switching over to people of color. Um, So I'm excited to see what the next 20 years, 50 years look like um, because it's, it's definitely changing. I, you know, I see that in the physical space, um, this cultural shift because of Black Lives Matter, um, because of everything that every person saw in in 2020 with Floyd. And one thing that I think is important and has been important for me is I feel like that power was always in our hands. Um, It was just a matter of us coming together in unity. And so when you go to a corporation and you demand that you show some diversity in this organization or you're out or it's going to change the narrative of what this company stands for. You put the pressure on them, basically. Then they're in a position where they're forced to listen. And I believe if that unity would have come um, at any other time where minorities stood together, not even minorities, black people stood together and said, hey, we want to see people who look like us in executive positions. We want to see people who look like us in the office, period. We would have seen that shift already happening. So standing up for what you believe in and what you feel was right. In studio? You know, there have always been cultural shifts um, through history and through time. It shows that. Um, for instance, uh, with the Fair Housing Act in 1968, there's always a cultural shift. Now it just so happened with Black Lives Matter, you have the new millenniums. And what's the people before or after the new millenniums? I don't know, Gen X, Z, Y. What, what are those age? letters? <laughs> Gen Z. There we go. It's Gen Z. Okay, like gin and some juice. No, I just said (laughs) Gen Z. Okay. Um, You always see a cultural shift. And I always say when you see a cultural shift, that's good because the younger people are now taking on, or we are now passing on the old people passing on to the young. And it just so happens to me this cultural shift to me is a lot more positive. Um, And 
I, I just I think it's a good thing and and I am seeing it, but I also think the new millenniums or whatever tend to think with this cultural shift like the older people like you know need to go sit down somewhere but really (laughs) y'all got all that from us you know that shift it it ain't like y'all was born with it you got it from the people who raised you and who you've been around and you've just learned how to do it maybe more modern than what we have done it in the past yeah wisdom I think there's something to be learned and and something to uh, be given through every interaction and every age. But that shift that we talk about really transitions good into our next statement. Women who are single and naked on social media hold less value. We'll start out of Podcast Town Studio with this one. Oh my gosh, there's so much, there's so much. Okay, so let's like dive into, are we talking like, realistically are we talking like what everybody is imagining in their heads because if we're looking at at social media right now if we're looking at advertisement on tv shows youtube if we're looking at anything dealing with media of any not even just past social media because there's really no like walls anymore between social media and our standard media like our social media stars are our our (laughs) overall media stars they're in our commercials they're in our movies they're in our tv so the women that are the social media stars that's my quote that's my worry now (laughs) i wish i could copyright that social media stars so these people are they out here um modest are they out here fully clothed? Do they wear garments from their head to their toes? I don't think so. I think they're they're out here and they're, they're a little past bikinis photos now. They're they're a little past Sports Illustrated. So I realistically, um, no, they are high earners. They're millionaires. They they sell their body. Some of them don't. Some of them just enjoy the photos and the attention. That's great. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think that's realistic. Do you want it to be realistic or or do you want it to be so that people who are women who are more modest, who aren't naked on social media, are as popular and trending as women who are naked? Yeah, that would be nice. That I'm, I'm all for whatever you feel comfortable with, whether it's modesty or, or being naked on social media. You should be able to have... Um, kind of some traction be trending because you're more than just your body of course but that's not what's happening (laughs) (laughs) so wait let's get a clear one do you strongly disagree strongly agree invisible area where do you stand i strongly disagree strongly disagree in podcast town studio how are we feeling about this hell no i feel like (laughs) this you know to each his own, everybody out there trying to make that hustle. At the end of the day, it's all about how you feel about self. So Facts. I really could care less about them being naked or not naked. You know, if, if they can bring me some of that money, because shoot, <laughs> if I was like, I, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I'm like, have it to your own. It's all different kind of ways now to make money. Back in the day, it used to be you less naked. You're a little, you know what you are. And all that kind of stuff. But nowadays, it's all about your hustle, getting your money. You know, one thing that is the invisible area in this piece is helping the next generation or younger girls understand 
that social media is not reality because I feel like the kids being raised now, whether really girls or boys, um, now that I say that out loud, need to understand that social media is not reality and how to the point of in-studio Some people created these profiles for the hustle and some people created these facades for the hustle to gain what's next um, and making that clear to the next generation. Because there are a lot of people that I I think blend reality and social media and together as one. You know, I kind of disagree with that. I think it is. It's their reality. The person who's doing it is their social reality. They are thin, got a big butt nice ass titties whatever and they look good they want to get out there and show themselves and would they also carry them the same way in public it's their reality that's the way they're living so I, I don't believe it's not reality because I believe that's how people live that's what make them get out there and want to wear less clothes and all of this because they're they're making what y'all call it their brand So you think that everyone on there, though, everyone on there has that same aspect. There's nobody who's like, let me just do this for the hustle, because there is an interview that has not been released on Invisible Talks that I did with an influencer who has over a million followers. And that was the narrative. And her hardest, the biggest challenge for her to overcome was when COVID hits, how does she make her money? Yeah, but I still think it's all in reality. I think it's bullshit when they say, oh, I'm just doing this, whatever. In order for you to do a job, it got to be a part of you. If it ain't a part of you, you ain't no good at it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just real. It's their reality. They just don't want to be honest with themselves. No, it's definitely reality. It's like me on on here with you guys, even though I'm not in the studio with y'all. I'm still here. I'm still present and I'm still using my voice. So I when people hear this podcast, they're going to be like, there's no difference between me being in studio and not in studio. And that's what social media is. It's like you being there, but but not physically, but your presence, your personality, your voice is all there. And that that's in itself is always going to be powerful enough to shape reality. And if as long as something shape reality, then it's real. We'll agree to disagree on this one. <laughs> All right. So the next one is, and, and this was an interesting one for me because I feel like I'm in the middle ground that has not been found. And the statement is, God is a relationship. And we'll start inside podcast studio for that one. Most definitely. God is a relationship. Um, that's That's true. Because if you don't have a relationship with him, to me, you're kind of lost. I mean, because if when you're younger... I think it's really important to put that foundation in your kids because hopefully when they become lost, they will look at that relationship again and kind of bounce back. But it's most definitely a relationship. I can say that for sure. Outside podcast studio. Um, I am going to strongly agree as well. If if someone who doesn't have a relationship with God, um, for the most part, they're atheists. So <laughs> if you don't believe in something, then of course you can't have a relationship with it. Whereas if you believe in something or like, yeah, if you believe in something or you are learning something, you're going to have some type of relationship with it. If you, it's bad or good, because there's people out here who believe in God and they have a bad relationship with them. 
and there's people that um, believe in God and they have a good relationship and there's people who don't believe in him at all and there's no relationship. So it, it definitely starts off with having that kind of the, that balance skill there. So if you're a believer, you have some type of relationship, no matter what. <laughs> Whether it's rocky or not. The, the relationship yeah. piece, um, I strongly agree because I feel like that's the part that's missing in the physical church is highlighting what a relationship is and defining that. Um, so one could find their way and start to build it. And it's easy to say now where I'm at, what that relationship feels like. But I, I rewind back to when I first got saved and it was not clearly outlined. It was clearly outlined that you need to walk upright and you need to be, you know, submitting to God and you have pre- fasting and praying and reading the word of God, which all makes sense. But relationship and that word and that term and what it means to be a servant um, to the father was not explained. I found that through my own seeking. And so challenging the church to say, teach relationship, put the foundation on relationship. And therefore I will hold myself more accountable versus holding the people who attend the church accountable. And then church hurt comes in and all these other areas, um, start to impact how I look at my relationship with God is based on other people's. And I think that part is incorrect. Um, so I would definitely strongly agree. I would definitely elaborate on that um, because one another thing that people don't do is, you know, like to being a boyfriend or a girlfriend or you go into friendship and you have these relationships with people and when it's good, it's good. But when it's bad, you don't, you're not really instructed on how to get through whatever rough patch you don't have with your with your best friend or get, have with your like your a significant other, so it's definitely can be compared and related to other in your life. I was just saying how the relationship you have with God can be comparable to the other relationships you have in your life because you're not really instructed on how to get through the the downsides of a relationships can bring, including a relationship with, with God. That's a really good point. And, you know, I, I got to piggyback on that young lady because <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm a witness like for real, um, like me and God have a relationship, but it's kind of like one sided where he wins. Now with me and relationships, I win, but I don't know how to, like you said in the Bible, it doesn't specifically tell you when you're in a relationship. Well, they say it is it, how you're supposed to act or whatever. But to get through conflict, that's like I, I've never gotten that. Um, and it's always been hard for me in that area because that's something I didn't see and I wasn't taught. So I had to try to figure it out on my own. But even though people do say, well, how you have relationship is in the Bible, you're supposed to be this and you're supposed to be that. And I said, well, if it's not straightforward, like this is what you do in a relationship. And if this happens, you're supposed to do that. I'm lost. So and I think my life shows that with my relationships. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's that's true. You know, that's a, a good point. I think about. Uh, when I'm in positions and it doesn't matter whether it's uh, in conflict and whatever, whatever those moments are, the stories that come to mind uh, is the scripture that says, you know, faith comes by hearing the word. 
because the story that comes to mind in these moments where I'm fully present and I'm going through these experiences, um, I had, as an example, the other day, I was doing something and I was just reflecting on, you know, which way does God want me to go? And the story of Samson came to mind and I ended up writing it down. And the reason why Samson came to mind is because God was highlighting uh, for me in my life the things that he told me not to touch and being mindful that you don't touch those things. And so all this confusion that you're walking in right now, it's not one of those things. It's the enemy trying to stop you from moving forward. And so I use that as an example to say it's the same thing with conflict. The question always becomes is, have we sat down with God enough reading the word to hear those stories? Or have we been in a space where the word is being spoken to us to remember those stories? Because I didn't, my first few years of being saved, I wasn't reading my word unless I was in church and I wasn't even taking notes. But because my pastor had went over some of these stories, I mean, the Moses story is, is, is a familiar one. Peter's story is a familiar one. You hear these parables so often that God begins to start to speak to you. And as he speaks to you, you take steps in faith and then you just keep practicing that. It's the same cycle. It's okay. I'm going to read my word. And then when I get in a situation where I'm confused, the whisper of that parable is going to come to me. And I know what happened in that parable because I've been in my word and I'm going to move that way. And so whether it's conflict, whether it's love, whether it's a job position, um, the answer is in the word, but it's not plain. It's in the parable and being mindful that every person that God used in the word of God had a flaw, had a weakness, had a thorn. No one that he used came perfect besides Jesus and and being mindful of that. Did you have something? No, I, I love that. I would even say like just being also mindful of what flaw each one had in the parables, because that can, that's, is the, is one of the most, for me, one of the most relatable things that I find. Like if I share certain qualities with these individuals, I share such flaws with these individuals. What, what choices did they make? What they learn? Look, they want my life like that because there's a lot of miracles in the Bible, but there's a lot of tragedy too. And really understanding where your life can be guided to by giving into flaws or overcoming them. That's really good. When you first started, even in the last one, I don't know if you moved, but it just kind of went out just a little bit. Um, I don't want to lose some of the good stuff that you're sharing. So I wanted to let you know. You know, I always look at the Bible. I, I, I'm i not even going to lie. I don't sit there and read my Bible from beginning to end. I never have because the Bible to me is always about believing in a higher power, doing what's right. And I always say, follow your gut because then you're following God. Because the Bible is about doing good, learning from bad behavior, switching it up and believing and just letting go and let God. So I can't say I'm not one for reading the Bible because I'm not. I don't sit there and read all those passages because at the end of the day, it's about doing what's right. What would God do in this situation? However, I know everybody ain't got it like me, you know. (laughs) I got some good common sense and I I know what the Bible is about. You know, I can't tell you all the stories, but in the meantime, I always try to do what God would want me to do. And that's always making the right decisions at the right time and not putting me first. So that's the end result. 
I think I think that works, but it's also contradictory to your other statement because there are moments like you gave the example of conflict where you find you could find the answer in the word of God wherever you're led to. What you mean is conflict because when you're going through something? Well, using your example when you said your relationship with conflict, right, and how to deal with conflict. There's an opportunity to find wisdom by reading the word. And it doesn't, to your point, have to be beginning to end. The wisdom to me is my conflict that I'm going through. And I know that I need to be humble. I need to be present and I need to be mindful Mm. of what I'm going through. Okay. You know, so that's the way I I don't feel like I'm in now. Don't get me wrong. I love Job, the story of Job. Um, I felt like my life was a lot going through Job. But at the end of the day, I don't think I need to have to read the Bible back to front, no verses and all of that to be a product of what God wants me to be of what's written in that Bible. I agree with that. I believe I believe it's for strength, though, because you Mm -hmm. are uniquely made. And there aren't a lot of people who could just move on that own on their own strength and just say, I'm going to plunge through this and persevere every time because somebody going to get knocked down and they, the wind going <laughs> to blow them out and they're not coming back up. So mm-hmm. and I'm not going to feel bad when I do it. <laughs> so not at all. Not if I know I'm in a, not going to feel bad at all. Now, later on down the line, I might say, you know, that was a little tad too much. Well, I'm sorry. You made me do it. <laughs> I, I feel like I can explain why, but, you know, at that time, maybe it was ready to do what I do. I don't know. I could agree with that. I think that's a, um, we'll transition out of that and we'll go to the next statement because this is one that pre-COVID, we may have to focus a little bit more pre-COVID because I feel like COVID just changed our lives in general. But are we working more today than in the 1970s? Hell No. <laughs> oh no, what you little young folk. Y'all got that shit made. We uh, we didn't have little toy things to pick nothing up. We didn't have computers or uh what is that? Um when you need to type a report, now you can just say it in your little recorder and a typewriter does it for you. They used to have a type machine, a typewriter and all of this kind of stuff. Uh man, please. Y'all just it's, we had pagers. Y'all got <laughs> cell phones. We didn't have laptops. I don't even typewriters. I think we had before that. And then before that, it was handwritten stuff. Now y'all got every damn thing. Hell no. 1970, we worked our butt off. Well, we just got a little aged on there. Out of <laughs> studio, how you feel about this one? <laughs> I really strongly, strongly with my whole heart agree. I agree so bad with this because um, I would say pre-COVID and even currently, like pre-COVID, I had four jobs at once um, and I was making as much money as I could doing stuff, anything I could find. Even now with, um, now I work from home. Even now I'm like looking for other gigs. I still work for two other companies. Um, So I was used to working like 60 hours a week and that was my every day, six days a week. Um, And I think that's pretty normal for a lot of people my age right now. Um, Not going to give that age, but (laughs) a lot of people around my age, we're working as much as we can. We're doing as much as we can 
Um, I worked through the whole pandemic. I would never do it again. I don't recommend it. And I think I'm old compensation U.S. government. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's like we're all about trying to create that generational wealth and making as much money. Um, and like you said, we have all this technology. With all this technology, we don't make everything a job. Everything is a job. Everything is for us to make money. Everything's for us to invest. Everything is for, for us to have the latest, the greatest, the biggest. And um, we're going to spend. We spend a lot and we have to keep up with that spending. And the only way to do that is by working, whether it's legally, illegally, the gray area where we don't got laws yet, cryptocurrency, <laughs> shout out for cryptocurrency. Um, but yeah, we, we work our tails off. And I don't think it's a good thing. So I think... I'm going to go with invisible area and I can't agree or disagree because <laughs> I think there's a piece missing and the piece missing for me is I would say mentally we are working more. We are putting more stress on where we need to be, where we should be. And because of social media, you know, there's the pros and the cons. We see what the world is doing and we're always playing catch up. And so you're either catching anxiety because you're looking forward or catching depression because you're looking back, whether it's because Sammy, who you dated for two years, now has another girlfriend, or if it's because Sarah has the job that you want. I feel like our minds are working more, and we are looking, not to say the generation before me was not working hard and trying to obtain goals. It wasn't, in my opinion, thrown in their face so that it's this constant 24-hour gotta see it so therefore I gotta hustle and so I just feel like the mind is just working in an unbelievable way and it's unattainable um for certain individuals it's just like not realistic because it's a world that you see not the the actual steps that you'll actually walk in all right in podcast town studio I'm just ready for this one how are you feeling on this topic what is it I know you have a follow-up. Oh, you don't I have a sure follow-up? do, because I think you freaking crazy. It's like, did y'all work more than us? And, like, we didn't have those <laughs> mental thoughts back in the day. And, you know, like, you think about it back then, who knew what depression was? Who knew what, mm. you know, bipolar was? Or And and it's like you trying to raise a family, but you got another kid that no one knows about. It's like your older kid is called severe depression. And then you got your living kid with you, but you really got two kids. And you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I go to work and maintain these two badass kids? And you got one within you, one outside you. And, and, and you don't know anything about, okay, how can I get help? How can I not stop from killing myself? Uh, where, what resources do I have? Damn, I ain't got no computer. So I got to find a computer to type my papers up where now everything is, I can type on my damn phone. Huh? Whereas back then, you, you know, you really lost. I mean, so I disagree with, with that, uh, y'all working more. <laughs> it's just y'all lazy shit. You know, really, I'm like, you're married, you got three kids, and it's it's called Buckle Down and Figure It Out. I mean, I was single. I had two kids. Not knowingly, I had another one, but I had two kids, one within me, one outside me. But not knowing, okay, I got this avenue I could go to the doctor and get help. No, I can't do that. Uh, I'm ex-military, and, you know, that's just a whole nother little area or whatever. But 
I think y'all just got it made and y'all some wan wanners. That's what I think. I mean, personally. <laughs> wan, 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 wan. Okay. She calls us <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I mean, you talked about kids. So, so we are going to transition to the next one because. Wait, 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 wait. You want to add? Go ahead. Go I, ahead. Yes, I do. I think um, to piggyback off of both of what y'all was saying, um, one, I think the generation is chasing perfection. It's the perfection we see on social media, the perfection we see and have idolized about previous years and previous generations. And um, I think that the biggest thing is like we see all these things, they're exposed to us. Previous generation did not have this much, much exposure, good or bad, about things. They only knew what they were surrounded by. Whereas in right now, everyone knows about everything that's going on, including children. And you know, the first thing that children want to do they want whatever they see. They want whatever they like. And so growing up in that and at this time where we're chasing these things, we're chasing perfection and there's no compassion and there's no reason to say why you can't have it, why you can't do it. Yeah, you you got depression. Well, here go pills. Now get back to work. Here go, here go um, therapy. Now go back into the hustle, go back into the bustle and chase perfection that we have given you since birth. And just... That is the mentality. I think from the from kindergarten to even now, we're always giving these things like, oh, you do this, you do this and do this, then you are going to be able to be the best. You're going to be great. You're going to have the riches and you're going to have wealth and you're going to have peace and you're going to have health and you're going to be okay. And that's not true. And I think that's that's the realization is that there's there's perfection that's really imperfection and it's given to children and especially in this country, it's given to children and sold as your purpose. It's sold as your all being. And when we are coming into our adulthood, like I'm the first of my generation coming into adulthood, it's this realization that this perfection that was sold to us from the time that we could remember does not exist not only does it not exist, but we are to, supposed to act like it exists still. That doesn't work out. And so we are, a lot of people, I don't know about everybody, because there's still a lot of youth who are chasing it and they do everything they can. And that's where that work is coming from. But they will sit here, do everything they can to build this life, right? And they're working their tails off and they're working themselves to death. Like whether it's through social media, whether it's through actual jobs, whether it's through schemes and scams, they're they're leading themselves to a, to this death that I think that's the biggest thing where I, like you said, it's a, it's a mental thing. And that, that mentality is, is toxic. That mentality is driving us to work to death. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Working in multiple ways. I guess defining what work is um, is an important part, like how we define that. Is there something you wanted to add? Not at all. Okay. So we'll transition. We only have a few more statements to go today before we wrap it up. And so this is a big one. And I, I wish we had a man on this one because I'd be interested to hear their perspective. The value of a woman decreases with every child she gives birth to. I thought you was going to do you had a good kid, but now you have a terrible adult. I mean, we could you could bunch all of those in there. That just seemed like that would have followed the last question. That's all. But go ahead. No, we'll we'll toss that in there. So we'll let you take that on first. 
The question is, you had a good kid, but now you have a terrible adult. How did we get there? Because you was a messed up ass parent. That's why. Um, <laughs> that's just what I feel. Um, all through me being a parent, I've always put my child first, regardless of me going through my depression or whatever. I was always real and honest with my kid. Trust me, I always fail sometimes, but I believe that you, when kids are little, you can put anything into their head and it will stay there if you plant a seed and let it grow and let it keep growing and growing and growing and growing. And it all depends on those seeds you plant. And one thing I used to tell my daughter is I used to be like, what's your name? She'd be like, Alphabet. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, Alphabet what? Alphabet soup. I said, okay. Well, you know, Alphabet soup can do any damn thing. So whatever you're going through right now, regardless of what it was, you're going you know, you to get past it and you're going to go in there and do what you got to do. And you constantly keep enforcing that, enforcing that. And I think that, and I believe in beating ass, punishments, you know, but I stopped, <laughs> I stopped beating my child ass when she started running around the table talking about, mama, you beat me, you beat me. I said, when I catch <laughs> your ass, I'm going to whoop you some more. <laughs> but after that, kids shall guide you as well. I stopped whooping her after that because I, I think I was like, like getting a real good at that point. But I do believe how your kid turned out has a lot to do with how you raise them. And if they do turn out to be a terrible adult, it ain't your fault because it was their choice regardless. Um, so I think that's it. <laughs> I think that's a blend. Um, because you, you, I plan to pour into my kids. I feel like I pour into them. Um, but I also know on the flip side, when I was in my teen years, middle school years, I had some plans for the world. And I didn't care if they were right or wrong. I wanted to, to try. I wanted to experiment with certain things. So um, I had my moments. And I, I think it was a balance of remembering who I was raised to be. Um, and those moments didn't define me. So, right, the decisions I made didn't drastically change the the trajectory of my life, so to speak, um, for what people could consider as bad. Like I didn't end up incarcerated or, you know, these other things that people are like, if that happens, it's just a dead end, which I don't necessarily agree with either. Um, so I feel like I had a mess posh of it. I'll let you tap in out of studio before we go back to the women giving birth. Yeah, so um, I would say the things that make a good child are not necessarily the things that make a good adult. So if you're always teaching your child how to be the best child all throughout their childhood, that is your number one mistake right there. Because you're not just raising a, you're not raising a child without first introducing them to the elements of being an adult. So if in that process, you all you're doing is teaching them how to listen but not really think for themselves, not explaining the cause and effect of things, not giving accountability, responsibility. If you are appeasing, if you are giving in to temper tantrums and you're not seeing that bigger picture that this child is only child for a certain, like a, a, a small amount of time and they're adult for the rest of their lives. If you're not thinking with that mentality, that's where you're going wrong at. Because um, you can be the strictest parent. And I've seen this. You can be the strictest parent. You can be a good parent. 
and you could be have a great child. But guess what? If you would never prepare that child for adulthood, if you never instilled in them the skills and the personality traits and characteristics they needed to be in a good adult, you're not going to have a good adult. You're going to have a, a child for a very long time. And then by the time they're in the middle of their adulthood, they're like, what in the fuck? you know one thing you just said that stood out though um teaching a child how to think and so i feel like my mom did an amazing job at that because i could ask questions and sometimes i'll get answers but for the most part it was like you already have the answer you'll figure it out and that problem solving i laugh when my little kids are where is it at? It's right in front of them, but they want me to point it out or they really don't see it like that. <laughs> those experiences are like, you know, we're going to keep playing with this. We're going to get you to test some things out and let you learn um, and process. So you don't have a pencil. What are you supposed to do? Um, asking them those questions so they could start to think out of process and not always coming to me for the answer, because if I'm not there, who's going to give you the answer? And that was one big um uh, not that wasn't that was a huge piece of my foundation growing up. You know, it's funny. I, I listened to you uh, outside broadcast and you said. Um, if parents teach their children to be good adults, then that's bad. And it was funny because I thought about it. I said, well, you know, I taught my daughter. I, I prepared her, gave her skills and how to be. Adjustable, for instance. If somebody piss you off at school, you know, you don't go sit there and you fight and you beat them up because then I'm going to come at you. You know, you you get creative. You do something different out the pocket, like send their parent a note saying that, hey, your daughter is doing this. Your daughter is doing that. You know, it's it's a survival skill. It's called I'm not going to get in trouble and get suspended for school because if I do, my mom is going to kill me. So I taught my daughter how to be an adult but also be uh, a what, a responsible adult. They don't get in trouble and go to jail and you find other ways to do stuff. Um, So when you said that, it was funny because I taught good things and I taught bad things, Um, which is so interesting to me because the stuff that I did teach you that was bad, I haven't seen her really do, which is a good thing. But, that doesn't mean that it's not there, but uh, <laughs> I feel like what you said is true. You can't te- teach a good adult, um, teach a children everything about being an adult. Everything comes in steps with children, and what you put in them is what you get out of them. What you do today affects you tomorrow, and that's my end of that segment. <laughs> So we have had a really good conversation, but we're going to try to wrap it up here. And so I always end each segment with the same reading. It's from a book called How to Be More Tree. And so I'm just going to flip it open. And so I'll read the section and then I'll ask you all, what are your thoughts on what you heard? And then we'll close out from there. All right. Bask in the sun. The happy chemical. There's a happy chemical in our brains that correlate with feeling positive and calm. Scientists are not sure why, but they think our brains release more happy chemical when we're out in the sunshine. There's certainly no doubt that spending time outdoors is vital for our well-beings. Trees cannot survive without sunlight, and those like the mountains, hamlock, they all need it. 
So when you're next thinking of staying outside on a sunny day, consider this. If the mountain hamlock had legs, it would use them to take in the sunniest spot that it could find every time. Go on outside, broadcaster. That's more up your alley. <laughs> you go on and ponder on this that. So go, what, yeah. what, look, let me get this out the way before I forget, because, you know, all timers is a sin. But um I would think that in every situation, you find the happiest spot with it. You know, that that's my thing. Come out there with them faux legs, get in that sun and say, no matter what I'm going through, happy spot, happy spot. <laughs> so uh, I gave you a little time there outside broadcast, so it's on you. I just, I'm a little interested in this, in this, in this um, I don't, is it a poem? What is it? No, it's just like these short excerpts on how to be more tree-like. And so there is no, there's no background to it. There are a ton of trees in here. And so the tree that we just read was the mountain hamlock. Mm -hmm. So I'm like a tree fanatic just for a little bit. So there's two things that I, that trees do. One is that they hate competition. Like trees hate competition. So when they find sunlight, they're going to grow and position themselves in a way for they get the most sun at all times, but also like they're going to make sure that things around them really don't have enough sunlight if they can't get too close. So I think there's two aspects to that. It's like one, of course, this tree is like taking in all the sunlight and it's going to be the happiest and most positive. It's going to survive. And the way it survives is by making sure that the things around it do not grow. Um, but also that the things around it do, don't interfere with its growth. So I think a part of us, like, you know, focusing on the positive, um, uh, trying to achieve and go towards our own happiness is to make sure that others don't interrupt our growth. That was very profound. And I was not expecting you to be a tree fanatic. So I took something from that. I want to thank you all both for coming on the show. We will be back in podcast studio um, next month with the same panel and different topics. And so that's all we've got for this segment here. These stories, they connect us. The ultimate question is, what was the journey like to freedom? Wait, freedom is agreeing to disagree, different perspectives, healing from within, all because life and legacy are complex. It feels be- it feels good to be beautiful from within. We see people everywhere, but do we really see them? Their thoughts, griefs, pain, or struggles. To be strong is to heal. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he will help you catch your breath. Remember to breathe. You're stronger than you think. Make sure to stay connected by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Invisible Talks Podcast. Until next time, I'm Tyra Elam.